Ladies and gentlemen, this is your places call. All right, everybody, back to one. Stand by lights one and sound one. Camera speeding. Audio speeding. Lights and sound. Go. And action. Hey, everybody, welcome back. This is Pretend World's Real People. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Stephanie. Hi, and I'm Tyler. And <laughs> uh, never not weird. Uh, never we, not weird. <laughs> we're, we're venturing out into a different part of the creative field within the arts industry. We're going into a little bit of costume design, but also we're talking to somebody who I just found out owns her own production company. Uh, she had never mentioned that. So it's gonna be really exciting to talk more about that. Uh, we're actually sitting down with my friend, Mariah Diaz. She's incredible. She is a jack of all trades and she's hilarious. So let's catch up with Mariah. Mariah, how are you, my friend? That was probably really loud. I apologize <laughs> to ears. <laughs> I would have blew up the mic, Tyler. Holy shit. That was bad. Hi, Mariah. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Hi. Yeah. I'm super excited to be on the show today. Woo-hoo. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, it's going to be video and audio. So, um... <laughs> oh, way to tell me now after I already mentioned how bad my hair is today. Thanks. Don't let them lie to you. That's rude. <laughs> no, Your nails no. are awesome, though. God, I love my nails right now. They've got little flowers on them. Like, oh, cute! Oh, you two need to get together for a nail day. <laughs> I'm down. Steph Yo, works guys, on I those need, nails, like, I am dude. So down. Let's go I, get our nails done. I tried getting. Um, I I bought myself a, a at home dip set, and it's I've done it twice, and I'm getting better, but it's not nearly as easy as as it's claimed to be. So I'm a little disappointed in the marketing. So. I love, I, I love DIY. Like I yeah. am the biggest DIYer. Like I made my own freaking laundry detergent because I thought it sounded cool and I didn't want to pay for like liquid laundry detergent. Wow. That is the person I am. But there are things that I will not stamp on. <laughs> I will not make my own shoes. Yeah. I will not cut my own hair. Yeah. I will not do my own nails because there are some things that I just fully believe. What a professional handle. Yeah. Yeah. What a professional do it. <laughs> I'm going to bring that detergent comment back around here in a little bit. That was, I did not expect that. And now I'm curious. (laughs) I can give you the recipe. Yeah. How do you make detergent? It's a process. Does it work? (laughs) Oh, it works. And I think my, so my favorite part is that you can put your own scents on it. And oh, cool. I'm super susceptible to like, just like what I'm smelling around me. Like I'm that person who will wear like diffusion beads because it really, really just helps like direct my focus, I guess is a good way mm-hmm. to put it. Um, so for me, it's fantastic, but it definitely, like, especially the day I was making it, it had like a real double-edged thing going on because it's having some roommate stuff going on and I found out they used my blender and I need my blender to, to make the detergent. I was like, you guys are killing me. Um, so it's a little bit of a process and you just gotta make sure you're prepared for it, but like it lasts forever. Like, oh, that's like, cool. Yeah. I it. All right. I'm, I'm still sitting in shock. <laughs> I can't shake it. I'm just picturing now you mixing a bunch of stuff. Detergent. Yeah, we're gonna have to. Okay, my, my we're gonna have to trade recipes. I told Te- I told my friend Tessa, and she's like, "You could just buy it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I get that. Thanks. Where's the fun in that hey, when I can blend it? Decreasing like <laughs> plastic waste and stuff when you're True. doing it, and so you know, there's benefits. Also, like I was definitely that person, like 
early college, late high school, where I was like on Tumblr all the time, I definitely went to that whole like corporate America's taking advantage of us because my youngest <laughs> buy all these things and laundry detergent is a freaking myth and so is bathroom softener. All you need is a wool dryer ball and like four acts essentially. So I definitely was like, was like, I'm doing it. I've been thinking about this since high school. I'm doing it. That's amazing. <laughs> You're going to start a trend now. Those who are listening to this are going to say, not only does she make her own costumes, she makes her own detergent. We're going to have to, wait, we, we have to switch. <laughs> We're not doing enough. You guys are not trying hard enough. (laughs) (laughs) But that's actually a very good segue because we have yet to find out why why we've invited Mariah on the show. (laughs) Because today we're talking about detergent. (laughs) Sorry, guys. We're we're done with the art stuff, guys. Now we're just, it's a DIY podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That is is a great segue, Steph. Uh, Yeah, Mariah, what? What, what, what do you do? Hi, guys. I'm Mariah. <laughs> I'm a small business owner in Colorado. I own my own production studio. Um, I do corporate videography, but I've gotten my start in the arts by doing costuming and costume design. Very cool. Um, so that's what Steph and Tyler have invited me on here to talk to you guys about today is a little bit more of the artsy costuming world <laughs> yeah but wait I didn't know this about your production company I want to hear about that too that sounds awesome yeah so my background is in film and videography I have actually I have a degree in film and business um and I got into the film world by doing costuming so back in high school I started making costumes doing some cosplay stuff going to conventions with my friends and then I really got into theater and discovered I was a horrible actress <laughs> no. but I still liked playing dress up so <laughs> the way to work with that was to go into a field that I could still make costumes and potentially wear them um, as well as actually continue to make creative work and so I actually got into film through that and then through my writing um, got my degree in film and videography and did a lot of student sets a lot of independent like a lot of short movies and a lot of like little videos as costume coordinator, as costume designer, um, and then start building my own production company here in Colorado doing corporate videography and then pretty much whatever they need, whatever people want to hire me or need me for. I'm a contracting company that need a person, I'm the person and we go in and specialize in pre-production and production management. Um, I do a lot of work in post-production, but in my free time and spare time, I'm still doing as much seam work and costuming as I can just because I love it. Sure. That's cool. So when you say corporate videography, you mean like recording internal videos and commercials and things like that for different companies and yeah, whatnot. yeah. That that's um that's I do a lot of educational videos right now. Mm-hmm. So I actually work with the University of Colorado at Boulder. I work with the Lee School of Business and create their hybrid online video courses. Oh wow. Um so me and my team pretty much built up the studio inside the business school for that. Um, and have done a lot of work with them. I've done a short project for like Historic Boulder. I have a couple clients who are incoming right now who I'm really excited for to do some more of the actual like corporate side of work and some more uh, creative marketing for so. That's awesome. You are are the most humble person I've ever met because (laughs) not not once did you ever mention the production company part of what you do. Like, yeah, yeah, I just do some projects. (laughs) 
<laughs> my number two job was I work at Target to help cover the extra overhead. <laughs> that's what I hear that's more than anything. That's, that's what that's the job that Tyler knows knows about me from. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Secretly, I'm an auteur and I'm super awesome. <laughs> I went. Oh my god, dude. If I could be an auteur, I totally would be. But right now, like that's nowhere close to like the level of where I'm at. But that is a goal. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, no lie. You're you're putting the the hustle in it, and you know, working doing uh, like corporate videos and that sort of thing. I I'm sure you have dozens, if not you know, hundreds of different client stories. And you know, hey, I sent in the final, but they want new revisions, even though it was due yesterday. That whole thing. So what what's it like for you? I know you're um you're an IC primarily, but what is your day to day like? working in that part of the industry so my day-to-day is actually pretty low-key um i work with two major clients right now um and they take out most of my actual production time and then like i said like i work at target as my extra income source because sometimes i just don't get enough hours with these guys um but it's checking in with my editing team i don't do a lot of post-production for uh the business school so Check in with my post-production team, check in with my editors, make sure that they're on task, they're on topic, make sure my other videographers are good to go for their scheduled recordings. Um, and then a lot of it is file management, just pushing stuff around is that's kind of what I do for Boulder. Um, another company I work with, another client of mine is I work with Colorado Sports Videos. So that's most of my weekend time that I'm on field. I have this like 30 foot tall extendable tripod that I get through that, working with that company um, and re-record software games for high schools. Um, football games in the fall season that's a really low-key gig I love it it's like my downtime you yeah. go on the field half hour before a game starts you set up your rig yeah. you film for the entire duration of the game you take it down you have lunch you set it back up and then you just turn your footage um my other jobs that I'll pick up um are a little more seasonal and those require more like the actual planning portion so for a day on like a set like that I go through full budgets. I do full quoting for different companies. And then a lot of it is figuring out like, do I need extra equipment beyond what I have? Do I need to be hiring actors or actresses for this stuff? And then going on shooting, managing post-production if I need to hire extra help, right? Then that falls on me as a company and as an entity to be reaching out to people saying, hey, I need an extra person on set today. Hey, I need an extra hand on this for color grading or that kind of thing. and I'm lucky to where I actually have enough contacts in the field still to where I can reach out to people pretty easily and be like, hey, this is a paid gig, not a whole lot, but I can offer you this much. Can you be on set days one, two, and three from this time to this time? Yeah. Right. And then we go from there. So they're usually pretty small gigs. They're not big. Um, there are a couple weeks. There are a couple days to a couple weeks. And, but I mean, it's fun. I like it. It, it keeps my mind active it keeps a good rotation of different types of things I'm doing so well and it's so incredible because it's your company like you're, it, you are the one kind of making it happen and that's awesome um how did that how did you decide to do that I mean if you went to school and got your degree in in film and whatnot how did you decide like you want to make this company for yourself COVID <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing (laughs) that 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 was the biggest thing that brought this on so a lot of my friends who I graduated with a lot of the people who like I wanted to be working with when I left school moved to New York and started doing exactly what I wanted to be doing 
Um, I personally did not have the means to get there right after I graduated. So I picked up a couple jobs in town. I, I initially started freelancing just under my own name, um, which if you do more research into it for tax purposes can sometimes get a little bit dicey. Um, and the longer I was in Colorado, the more I realized it's like, I just can't keep doing this under my name, right? You're sending your social security number to people who are essentially strangers to you. Mm-hmm. Right. And you don't yeah. really like at the beginning of it, like you like at the first hire of a contract, you're not sure if that is a reputable source a lot of times. So one of the safer things to do is to create an LLC, get yourself a federal tax number or an, a federal employee identification number. Um, so you can start charging to that and start giving that to people. So you're not actually putting you personally at stake for fraud. Smart. Um, so I had originally picked up a temp job with the university. And that's actually, that's how I got this, got the university as one of my clients. And my temp contract ran out mid COVID. And they were on a hiring freeze. They couldn't offer me a full-time position as a studio manager. So the only way that they could keep me working in the studio or keep the studio running was to hire me and the person who's working with me at that point as contractors, which to do that, we need to have a business entity to hire under. So we both kind of just buckled down. We're like, all right, we're going to make a studio. He made his, I made mine. And then we got hired in as third-party contractors to the university because there, that was at that point, the only way to keep our studio running. Right. So, and then from there, I was able to actually just pick up contracts because I was a business at that point. Right. So. Yeah. It's crazy. Though, like one good thing that's come out of COVID. <laughs> one yeah. good thing that came out of COVID yeah. is I own my own company now. Yeah. <laughs> was it was it from the ashes rises the phoenix? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what, Sometimes what's... it feels like frying, frying pan to fire ordeal there. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. Both are hard. And it's just one of those, you just got to choose your hard there. But yeah. That, I, I, now I have a now I have a company to show for it. So what's what's the name of your company? It's Front Porch Studios Limited. That's fucking perfect. So <laughs> that is such a good name. <laughs> uh, I had a friend design my logo. I'm actually it's opening up a studio called Front Porch Studios was actually my dream coming out of college. So this is just like Mach One Front Porch, mm-hmm. and we're gonna slowly build Front Porch into like this like big thing. I'm so yes, excited. yes. Are you hoping that it does become more of a uh, film company for indies and things like that? Or um, are you going to stay with corporate? I'm hoping it comes become something from something more creative. Yeah. Um, my, my biggest goal from Front Porch is it creates content that's meaningful, right? So that people can watch this, watch our, watch our shows, watch our movies and say, you know, I really connect with this. Mm-hmm. And I can learn something from this. Um, a lot of the media that, like, I'm, there's actually two of them right here. Um, but at some <laughs> point in school, I realized that there were no books that I wanted to read anymore mm. because nothing was relevant anymore. And I feel like every person who's like a creative goes through that stage where they're looking at what they're being offered either through movies or through shows or through books. And they say, you know what? None of this pertains to me. None of this mm-hmm. is relevant. I'm not getting anything from this anymore. Um, and so like the goal I had going with Front Porch Studios was that I was going to make something that people would personify with and find relevant and critical to their growth into society. So where does the, uh, you said you, you're a writer too. Have you been working on 
uh, you know, scripts for other <laughs> projects outside of the, the corporate gigs you're getting that you want to, you know, utilize and build and develop to embrace that, that theme? Yes, I have been. <laughs> I definitely have been. And there are, I could come up with a thousand and one excuses as to why we haven't produced one of those yet. <laughs> the biggest one comes down to this front porch is a very new studio and I need a lot more uh, capital Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, actually yeah. bring those to light uh, I've been but in short answer yes I have about three stories in my pocket right now that I would love to produce and I'm actually looking at producing one of them this summer because awesome. I need something more creative in my life yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then just uh, my writing and my costuming I need to start combining some of these stuff and actually making something, so. have you been navigating the uh, I think I'm not sure how far it's gone but you know how there's no tax incentives in Colorado for any sort of, you know, filmmaking project that's bigger than a small 20K indie. Have you looked at any opportunities maybe outside of Colorado to I kind of venture out or you want to stay in state? I would love to stay in state and show my Colorado pride, but I have actually been looking into what would it take to produce something either in Georgia or New Mexico. And stupidly enough, the biggest thing about that is I would have to change a lot that has to do with my actual filed business structure. Mm. So on a producer or production company end, I would have to actually go into the Colorado tax state databases again and say, I am actually reclassifying my business as a foreign business of a, instead of a domestic business to be able to produce and bill and get tax incentives from a different state. Interesting. Wow. So I have been looking into it, but it's a, uh, it's the producer side of things where you have to like look a little more into like the actual like budgeting and the like business sense of it. We're like, huh, didn't realize that was a thing until I had to approach it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a lot, dude. That's, yeah, I'm. That's why I like stop where I am, and I could never go move into the admin side of things or like if there's just too much uh, extra that has to be done that you don't have to think about when you're like just the creative. <laughs> Like, yep, they'll figure it out. Great. <laughs> yeah, like, Money, I've, please. <laughs> and it's funny because I've, I've talked like writers about that, like right as a writer, as an art director, as as even an actor. And no offense, Tyler, but like you're kind of like you get hired on these things. You're like, all right, I'm gonna do this. This is my character. This is my job. This is my this is my set. This is my costume. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do good. I'm gonna get paid. Yep. Yeah. Right. As a writer, you pitch a story and they're like, all right, we'll take the story. And they take that story. They hand it off to some extra writers to fine tune it. And you're fairly hands off unless you're on that writing team. The background end of that to make that story happen is like only the producers are looking at that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. And it's why the producers are often like the bad guys on set because the director's like, we want to do this big thing. And the producer's like, actually, no, <laughs> <laughs> we can't do that. You don't have the funding for that. Right. Like the work it's going to take to get you into a different country to shoot that on site is not worth it. No. Right. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. You know, but, it is funny thinking about that. The, the struggles of being on that part of the, the industry. And I, I mean, I, I created a web series and shot it, directed it, produced it, acted and edited it, did everything last year. And I was exhausted. And that's five episodes that I just pulled out of my ass. You know? So I couldn't even imagine working on a full feature, especially one that you care so much about 
in another state and going through all those hoops and making sure everything stays within, you know, the, the boundaries. Well, especially when you produce it, write it, direct it, start it. Did you cut it too? <laughs> I did. It wasn't great. We were on a really bad time crunch that, that I'll talk about eventually, but uh, yeah, but you have the, <laughs> for those of you who are listening, I am a coach at a local gym that Mariah works at and her work ethic throughout every workout is incredible. So I could see her running all this without a shadow of a doubt. She would, mm-hmm. she would kill it. So just, just keep pushing forward with it. Cause I want to see one of your projects. I mean, I'll probably yeah. audition for it and you know, like twist the knife a little bit. And like, hey. <laughs> uh, you were a guest and now I deserve a, a role. <laughs> so what time, this is what time I'm saying. Remember that time I didn't, you know, make you do burpees? <laughs> you could pull that, that one on me. <laughs> like the other trainers make you do chin-ups. I don't make you do chin-ups. <laughs> you can use the bands. Wink. <laughs> Winky face. Um Wow. Yeah. The, the logistics behind it are just incredible. Is there, it's really intriguing. Is there a moment in time you could think back to where you thought this is definitely what I want to do, whether it's maybe watching a film or a TV show when you're younger, or maybe um, one of the, you know, those behind the scenes specials on E news, you know, back in the day where you'd see everybody on set. Was there something that just kind of clicked with you? There was definitely a time and place when I knew I wanted to look into it. So we've talked a little about how I do costuming. Like I've always been involved in creative work somehow. Um, for a long time, I thought I wanted to be a fashion designer. For an even, even longer time before that, I thought I wanted to be a singer. Um, so I was actually stage trained. I was like professionally vocally trained. Um, I have about like eight years of piano behind me. And then I auditioned for, I auditioned for Denver School of Arts and got waitlisted, mm. which isn't, a bad thing necessarily right it's not like they were like no you're not good enough for us there's like you're not good enough or you're not better than that person is how I took it mm-hmm. and I was pissed and I was tired yeah. I just really didn't want to spend my day-to-day practicing and practicing to audition to get waitlisted I was so angry Um, And so I dropped that and I turned to writing. And I had a very unfortunate thing happen to my family. I had an uncle who passed away and me and this uncle were extremely close. And I didn't really turn to music because I was still angry. So I turned to my writing and I realized that there there was absolutely nothing I could do. There was nothing I could write that could express what I was going through. And I watched, stupidly enough, The Fault in Our Stars. Mm. And there was that scene where, I think his name is Augustus, um, where he dies. And you just see, what was her name? Shailene Woodley, the actress? Yeah. yeah. You see her react to hearing that he died. And I looked at my parents and I was like, I know that feeling. That there, that's what I can't write. And that's when I kind of knew it was like, okay, to tell what I want to tell, to express what I want to express, words aren't going to be enough. I'm going to need more than just words. So I started looking into what it would take to start studying film. I didn't know I actually wanted to continue to study film or something that I was actually really passionate about pursuing until one of my first sets I ever worked on. And everything about working on set, that was it. 
like I was in, I was in 100%. And it's hilarious because I wasn't even supposed to be on set. My mom had this old friend and actually, I'm not sure if you've heard of him, Tyler. He actually ran, runs the same crowd that you tend to run in with acting, Keith Hine. So he knew Patrick and like was one of like, yeah, I, I actually familiar. like a lot of like the Colorado independent like actors yeah. run really, really close together. So it was Heath Hine and Lua Bakachin who actually got me onto set um, just because they were connections to my parents. And one summer on set was all it took. I worked on three independent films. I worked with Dennis Vincent on Rage of the Mummy. I worked on uh, Terror Tales with Heart and Fire Productions. Yeah. And I, I was in, like there was this one set I was working on and we were on set. He, like the director's like, we're supposed to wrap by 7.30 tonight. And we ended up being there till 3.30 in the morning. And I got home and I was like, guess you're not going back tomorrow. I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm going back every day that they invite me back. I have never had more fun on set. Like I'm doing this. And like, it was in that summer, like going to those first like independent movies where I was like, this is what I need to be doing with my life. It's done. I'm in like 100% committed. That's awesome. So, but yeah, it, it was a, definitely like a long transition to get from you want to be performing to you want to be creating to you really want to be in this field. Mm-hmm. So, but I can't, I can't thank Heath or Luba or Dennis Vincent nearly enough for how much they did for me. I don't think they realized like, how much like my life changed that summer. So but yeah, that's it for that. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I feel like so many people have those moments, even if it, because you were in it, it maybe isn't um, as big of a deal, but like hearing it come, you know, like clearly it was a very big deal and you've come to realize that, but um, uh, in the moment you may not have necessarily connected it until you've had some time from it. And that's really cool. Cause I feel like most people who are in the arts have that moment, um, or moments. Um, but I am curious, I want to hear more about, um, your costuming and, and that, you know, it's, it's a very, um, it's a different type of creativity than a lot of people we've already had, um, on, uh, the podcast. Um, and, uh, it's something that, I really like dabbling in in college when I had to take classes and stuff, um, but I just never really, it, I was much more of a stage manager, so that was my goal. Um, but let like talk to me about, about costuming and how you go about designing one and what inspires you and all the fun stuff. Yeah, so um, I, I guess like, did you want to hear like background or yeah. just- one? Yeah. Okay, so, so like top to bottom, T to B. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. Um, I love fairies. I know it's a really weird intro to this one, but I love fairies. I always have. I always thought they were so cute. Look at their wings, and they can fly, mm-hmm. and that's a genuine goal of mine. Like I want to fly. That's the thing, okay. <laughs> and when I was little, um, I love playing dress up. I think I mentioned mm-hmm. that earlier, right? But um, like I said, I'm not a good. So for me, dress up was just dress up. And it was a way for me to embody these stories that I had going on in my head all the time and kind of like connect with them more. Uh, My grandma, when I was really little, bought me a fairy book 
you know how mm. like there's like a Disney fairies like there's yeah fairies. okay so pre-movie Disney fairies there was a book series I'm a nerd so you can see <laughs> um and her friends were not the same friends she has in movies not all of them at least my grandma bought me like this encyclopedia of Disney fairies where it showed you all the history behind Pixie Hollow. It showed you everything about how fairies are born, what happens to them when they die, all this stuff, right? Like, including what their clothes were made out of. And this is the biggest thing to me because I was like, they make their clothes out of actual pieces of the earth. Like, like, there is a fairy where her skirt was entirely made out of rose petals, Mm. right? And Tinkerbell's dress is technically a bunch of overlaying leaves. That's why it's got like little points on it, right? Because it's just a bunch of leaves kind of like sewn together. And in that moment, I looked at my grandma like, I want to make this. Like, I want to make a fairy dress made out of something that looks like all of these different like leaves and stuff. She's like, okay, cool. My grandma took me to the store. We bought some green fabric, some like little like flower petal looking fabric pieces, like this purple fabric. And she taught me how to hand stitch. Mm. and in retrospect what I created was a monstrosity it was <laughs> absolutely horrible was nothing like a fairy costume but I was so proud of it and just the fact that like I could make a skirt or make a dress out of what was a strip of fabric was life-changing and I was like this is awesome this is so cool what else can I make and so from there my mom and I love my parents. They are like the most supportive people in the world. Whenever me and my brother have something new that we want to do, they're like, all right, let's do it. Like they bought me like little fashion design kits. My mom got me in contact with like one of her friends who was like a match makeup artist to talk to me about like color direction and how you like match colors, skin tone and all of that. And I started drawing out my own dress designs. I learned how to draw figures specifically so I could draw out costume designs. Um, and just start putting this stuff together. And it kind of stayed as just like little pins on little mini mannequins for many, many years until I got to high school and actually took a fabrics course. And that's when I actually started making things. And I thank God for the Renaissance Festival because that was a place where I could actually show my work. Mm-hmm. So I would make costumes for me and my family members. I would take them to Nondescon was one of my favorites to go to. It's an anime convention in Denver. Um, and I would dress up as different anime characters you know what Black Butler is. I went as the undertaker for a couple of years, did a whole bunch of steampunk work and took it there. Um, and then I'd make these big costumes for me and all my family members to go to Ren- uh, Renaissance Festival with and would show them there. And what was really, really proud for me was when I would get comments like, oh, wow, your dress is so pretty. Where did you buy it? Mm-hmm. And I could look at someone and say, I didn't, I made mm-hmm. it. And it was just awesome because that meant that I found something. I did something that was so good that one, someone thought someone else made it and bought it. And two, I look pretty. (laughs) It's a super nice feeling to know that someone else is admiring what you're making to the point where not only do they like it and are okay telling you they like it, but they would be considering buying it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, and I just, I kept going with it. I, it's one of the few things outside of film that just, it just makes sense to me, right? How fabric lays, how it sits on someone's body, like what you have to do, what, where to make it fit a certain way. It just makes sense. Um, my, I, I was telling my dad about it and it's just, he says it's the same thing with him in snowboarding. 
Mm-hmm. Snowboarding is the one thing my dad can do as easily as walking. Mm-hmm. This is the one thing I can do as easily as talking. Like, I just get it. Right. So, I don't know. From there, I've done a bunch of Halloween costumes. I've done a bunch of tailoring work. I'm a really big fan of upcycling costumes because I don't like spending money. The business person <laughs> needs says that we need to make this as cheap as possible. So I'm definitely that person who will go to a thrift store and just collect things and piece them together. I think one of my most complete costumes was made out of an old prom dress, a sundress, and like a leather couch cushion that I bought at the thrift store. I think the entire thing cost me like 20 bucks and it's a full steampunk outfit. Oh That's God. awesome. So, but yeah. That's kind of me in costuming. It's just, I make it where I can. I really enjoy it. And I just, I, I get it. I love it. Like, how, um, how detailed do you like to get? Like, you know, especially thinking about cosplay and stuff like that. Some people go all in and they make it look exactly like it is in the, you know, TV show or whatever. Is that you? Do you like to take liberties? It really, really depends on the project and what I'm making something for. So, mm-hmm. for example, like I mentioned earlier, I've done some small movie sets and I did some uh, student move films when I was in college and I did the costume direction there. For those, very, very liberal with what those look like for the main reason of the camera can hide so much. Mm. Like when you're on a film set, a lot of the times when you're looking at costumes that have been used on films, they're unfinished. They don't really have full hemlines. A lot of them are kind of like pinned together. That's because you can hide stuff on film super easily, right? If you're under a time crunch and that just needs to get fixed, you put a piece of tape on it, right? That's it. That's all you need. (laughs) Um, So for those, right, a lot of the costumes I make, like if it's like pants, not putting lining in it, I'm just making sure it fits and looks nice, right? If it's a vest or something, we might keep the extra fabric inside of it. If it's a costume piece that is like for my little cousin for Halloween, it's probably not gonna be quite as detailed mm-hmm. as something I would take to like Renaissance festivals for a convention. And for the main reason being the audience, right? Mm-hmm. At a convention, these are people who go to these conventions who look at this, they admire this, there are competitions over this. I have a couple of cosplayers who I used to know pretty personally who I follow on Instagram and they put months and months and months into detail work into these costumes because they know who's going to be there watching them and judging them and taking a look at them, right? This is a really big status symbol, right? If you can put that detail into a costume, huge, right? Halloween costumes, film sets, something that you're judging from a distance or through a lens, not as big of a deal. Um, Ren Fair is thank goodness, a little bit more forgiving too. Uh, unless you're dressing up as a princess. <laughs> no one really wore anything that nice anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you're allowed to take quite a few liberties with what that looks like. You don't necessarily have to finish the hem of a giant circle skirt if you're playing a gypsy because chances are that would have been worn through in a day if it was actually on a gypsy. Right. Like at that time period, right? So um, it really just depends. It's a short way of putting that. Sorry. No, it's good. No, it's perfect. It, in as far as you, you know, developing an idea for say like a new costume, are you 
do you stick to maybe more traditional where you start maybe doodling it in a small notebook or do you get you know a couple pieces of fabric and lay them on the floor and start to kind of go for more of an obscure approach to figure out how this design would look from a from a grand point of view what's your what's your uh like go-to for that i could see you doodling in costume but it's just it's cool to hear how this is created i am definitely a doodler okay um, <laughs> I don't even know necessarily. I think it's because I see things. I, I see things very much from a writer, from a director's point of view still. Right? And ever since I was little, like I see like a whole image, right? I see like who is wearing the costume? What does their hair look like? What are they doing inside of this costume? So I doodle a whole image of a person. Even if that's not the person who's gonna be wearing the costume, right? I'm Whenever I'm making something, I'm looking to capture an idea. And I think that's actually why I did pretty, I think that's why I did well, like for like movie costuming was because I could look at a whole character and say, this character would wear this like this because of X reason, right? Very similar to like how actors develop their characters before they portray them or personify them, right? Every person's clothing, everything that they put on their body tells a story of who they are, right? And a lot of people don't really think about that, but I like to think of like a devil's wear, uh, the devil wears Prada, mm -hmm. where Meryl Streep's character is talking about Cerulean, right? There is so much that goes into what we put on our bodies each and every day. So when I'm designing a costume, I'm not thinking about just a costume. I'm thinking about what am I trying to tell people, right? If I'm a pirate, am I the pirate who is going to be gutting down ships or I'm the pirate who's going to be enticing people? Am I after treasure? Am I looking for adventure or glory? Or am I a rebel fighting a cause, right? Because all of those look very different to me. So I definitely start with a doodle. I definitely start with like the purpose behind why you're wearing what you're wearing. And then I go from there. And um, once I have the idea of like what I'm actually making, I'll start looking at what is it going to take to make this, right? Am I using real leather? Do I need to get out my dad's old leather working stuff? Do I need to contact a friend, right? Um, I have a few friends who are leather workers and a few bladesmiths, right? Do I need to contact someone for extra help to get in on this one, to help make this what I need it to be? Or can I do this with just fabric, mm -hmm. right? Do I need to go buy fresh fabric for this? Or can I go to the thrift store and find something that's going to get where I need it to be, right? So all that stuff comes together after I have the initial design. Hope that answers that. It, it does. I'm picturing you beautiful minding your way through a doodle. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> do you um, do you enjoy working uh, collaboratively with people when you're creating costumes? Like you said, um, you you know worked on a couple of film sets, and I know in theater, like when you are a designer, you are meeting with the director and the other designers to talk about. Um, uh, detail and specifics and colors and who's going to kind of contribute what um do you enjoy that process to kind of you know create a look um based on someone else's idea or are you kind of like i i just want to do my own thing so when i am working with a team i enjoy working with a team. Mm -hmm. um i i phrase it that way because if i'm just making something for renaissance festival I don't ever really feel the need to fully explain my idea of what I'm doing. I have a good enough idea of what I'm doing to where if you look at my sketches and you say, that makes no sense. I say, Hey, that's cool. I'm gonna do it anyway. Mm -hmm. um, because it's my thing, right? Renaissance festival is not necessarily a 
huge group effort. <laughs> I do have people who help me build these costumes. My family's very good and very supportive at helping me with this stuff. And a lot of my technique I've learned from my mother. Um, but I'm not necessarily relying on them to keep me on track with that one. Right. If I'm working on a film though, it is more important to me to make sure this character and what they're wearing is cohesive with the film and the message than my own pride. Um, I, I think, and I would hope that most people who work on productions or work on film sets has a little bit of that mindset too, to say, you know what, the overall success of this is bigger than just me and what I want. So I'm willing to work with someone to make some concessions of what I think. If I personally think a character should be wearing hot pink and that is not on the director or the art director's color palette, I'm a trash hot pink because I need to make sure that this flows. Mm -hmm. I need to make sure that this is staying consistent across the board. And I enjoy that process. And there are times when I've had to sit down with the director and say, I know you don't have this yet, but we need to discuss what your color palette is because I'm not going to put your character, especially if it's your main character, in something that's going to throw off your scene, right? Mm -hmm. Any good art director, costumer, any person who is involved in the arts knows how much meaning color has to people mm -hmm. or how much it can have. And clashing colors can create visual chaos. So I would much rather work with someone on their project and actually work with them and communicate with them and figure out something together then go off into Narnia and say, I'm gonna just do what I'm gonna do and you can deal with it because mm -hmm. that's not gonna create a good image for me. It's not gonna create a good look for them and it's gonna end up looking like crap on screen. So. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm geeking out over here. It's just so cool. <laughs> it's just, it's so, it's, I can look back at watching, um, you know, the first Pirates of the Caribbean on DVD because I didn't get a chance to see it in theaters and, and watching, the behind the scenes I, I i forget her name but it was the main costume designer and even for the extras she was just so passionate and meticulous about each and every one of them that it, it, it there's there's just a sense of magic there within the logistics that's incredible so um the project that you want to you know hopefully produce here locally this summer i mean does that utilize a lot of you know intricate costumes or is it more of a contemporary piece it's a little bit of both Okay. Um, it definitely bridges a little bit. It, it's kind of connecting a lot like historical pieces to more connecting pieces. Um, and I would love to have you audition for it as soon as I can finish this for it. Uh, <laughs> I'm still writing the last, it, it's a short series. It's like a short episode series. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so as soon as I can get the last pieces of that nailed down, I would love to talk about that one more. But um, it's kind of going back and forth between something that used to happen and something that is now happening. Mm. Um, just because I'm, I love history. <laughs> I love creating historical costume pieces because I love history. So there is like a very big ask. piece of like all of my passions coming together and like one big thing here with this one. Um, so what can contain both of us? So yeah. Very long-winded answer for that one. Long walk to a short drink of water. <laughs> <laughs> I was totally going to ask because like that's such a big part of costume design is is doing research and um you know it, it's it's cool to hear that you really enjoy history and and you know kind of learning all the intricacies because I know some of um, my costumer friends and stuff like ha have such issues sometimes when it's so clear that 
effort wasn't put in. Like, I don't remember what, I think it was in Little Women and the women, the girls were wearing like Ugg boots or something like that. And people were freaking out about it because clearly why would they be in those, you know? And it's just like those details and those things. And <laughs> you're, you're holding your face like that's exactly who you are. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I have such issues when you can tell that someone didn't put in the work and effort into the costume. Like, I have a very strong opinion about this one. I'm just going to say it. If you are going fantasy, you need to go all in on fantasy, right? If your goal is fantasy, you do it. You do whatever you want in it. You go full fantasy, right? If you're going to go historical, you've got to do it right, mm-hmm. right? It's the same thing. Um, you can try and combine those. You can try and do those things. But at the end of the day, it, you're creating a lot of, way for error there right and you can take an inspiration from each side but if you're doing historical you've got to go historical if you're doing fantasy you've got to go fantasy because if you don't it it can create some really deep visual confusion for people Mm -hmm. um one of my favorite favorite like conversations i ever read online was all about wonder woman and her costume gal gadot's wonder woman there is a very long history behind what Wonder Woman has wore and why. And a lot of it has had to do with the sexualization and the objectification of women until you get to someone like Gal Gadot and the current Wonder Woman and her costume designer, who I can't remember her name right now, and I'm going to bite myself later for remembering it later and not now. But she did so much research into, like the, the entire team did so much research into what an Amazonian woman from the ancient Greek and Roman time period where, what did battle armor look like back then? What was the purpose that it served? And that's why the Amazons in that one-hour movie are so badass, right? Cause that effort was put there. It's a fantasy movie. It's about a superhero, right? Like there is no question that this is not real, but the context that it was pulled from they did go full fantasy. They did make it very, very surreal in how they were looking at it, but they pulled their inspiration from something historical. And you can tell that homage and that respect that was paid to that while still observing the fantasy aspect of that. That is the difference. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is the big difference there, right? No, you, you hit the nail on the head with it. Is, what was it? The the scrapped Wonder Woman pilot did the same thing that Linda Carter, Linda Carter, Linda Carter's TV show did as well with the costume design. It was just, it was pure exploitation. But Gal yeah. Gadot is, is is a warrior. She is a you're so as, as she right. should be. Yeah, and it doesn't take away from her feminine femininity. It doesn't take away from how much of her body you're seeing, but it is staying very true to what a warrior would wear. Right, like. The greaves, the the leather armor, the way it's positioned on her, right? It's very true to what a warrior is while still maintaining the fact that, yeah, she's a bombshell. (laughs) She's a girl, she's a lady who turned heads, Yeah. right? She's going to turn heads and be super powerful about it. Yeah. This is why we need to get you into Hollywood in costume (laughs) design. Well, that's actually a good point though. It's you, what are your aspirations like in, yeah. in terms of costuming? And I mean, you know, with front porch, you kind of have an idea is, is costuming going to continue just to be a hobby? Do you think, would you take an opportunity to work on something in a larger context if offered? 
I would take something for a larger aspect. Excuse me, sorry. I'm drinking a sparkling water over here. So it's just like <laughs> probably not the best idea for a podcast. Is that why it says uh, Coors Light on the side? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> be nice. <laughs> no. Um, I am not in Hollywood. My personal opinion about Hollywood is if you are offered a position in Hollywood, even if you have like a very minimal experience level in that one, you take it and you do a lot of Google to back up what minimal experience you may or may not have in it. Because if you are invited to onto a set in Hollywood, a big Hollywood production set, you should be jumping at that opportunity. Like that is a huge thing. That is a big deal. There are people fighting for that spot. And if you were offered that, you take it because it could have been offered to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Me personally, my long-term goals, however I get there, whether that's through costume design or amazing writing or fantastic stellar direction, <laughs> um, I want a producer. I, I want to produce. I want to produce my own content. Like, I want to run a production studio that is going to do the big, wonderful things and create these big, wonderful stories and make people believe in magic. That That is the long-term goal. How I get there is still a little bit mm-hmm. optional, right? Life changes every day and you can take whatever path you want to get there as long as you're still working towards it. Um, right now, cost me is definitely a hobby for me. I, I don't think that I personally am the person who would chase costuming to an end goal. Um, and maybe that's just me sitting here right now. Like that could change in a couple of years, but for me, it's something enjoyable. And I feel like that a lot of your small time creatives feel that way, right? I think a lot of people who you see on Instagram selling their pottery, selling their home design work, they're not looking to become a big mega superstar, but they are doing something that they love, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that there's a lot to be said for like the original meaning of amateur, which is someone who loves doing that, Mm -hmm. right? If I'm a big producer one day and I'm making costumes on the side because I enjoy that, I'm going to be happy there. Mm-hmm. So. Very cool. It's a good goal to, to have essentially what, I guess what you're doing right now, you have so many different pieces in the fire that you can kind of dive off into at any point in time that you want to. And at this point, I'll say it. I think Hollywood is, is changing. It's, it's kind of, revisioning itself it's it's readjusting but the best way to do things right now from an acting standpoint writing produce like you said it's producing your own content and it's you could do that locally and team up with super awesome people we have in colorado dude in no time you're you're going to be just growing that that scope of a difference you're making in the community so i'm really excited to see where you go with that it's just going to be it's going to be awesome yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to see what happens too. I'm just as in the dark about it as you are right now. <laughs> well, it's all about, you know, just, just, just working on it each and every day. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's, it is putting the time and effort into creating the life that you want to have. Right. Whatever that is. If like you want to make time to work on a small piece of art every day, do it right? That's what you should be putting it towards. If you want to build something, if you want to do something, that is an act of choice you got to make. 
right? And I think yeah. like you guys can send to this too. You guys are doing things from what I understand that you guys enjoy, right? Yeah. And sometimes yeah. you have to pick up the extra job. Sometimes you have to do the things you don't like to do, but at the end of the day, you're still working on something that you love. Yeah. Right. And that is what is going to continue to fuel you. I'm really good at saying cheesy things and not knowing how to follow it up. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm ready. I want to ask my question that I always like to ask at the end of the episodes, but I want to make sure that uh, I didn't know if Tyler wanted to segue into advice right now or not. Um, no, we, yeah. that ball is in, you've grabbed the ball. It is okay, in your great. court. You gotta uh, lay it up. I need to hear a great fun story. Uh, that's your party story. And if it comes from target, that's fine. Too. <laughs> um, but it like, what's something that just always sticks with you that you're like, I can't believe this is my job. And, and, you know, it's just, could be funny, could be maybe a little depressing. Uh. <laughs> I know you asked this question and for some reason I didn't think about <laughs> what I would say this something like this, hold up. It's okay, because we can always cut out the thinking part, so. Okay, that, that's good to know. Hold nope, on, it, no might, it might be it's the best funny. part. Um, just like, just something just like that just makes me like, wow, I can't believe this is what I'm choosing to do with yeah. my life. All right. This is simultaneously one of the best and worst memories of my life. Oh no. Um, and this was actually from when I was in school. This was I'm working on one of my student films. I got a really good look for what long nights look like here. Um, it was one of my first all-nighters I pulled editing. I'm in my campus's editing lab, two other girls, Three other, three other girls. There's just the four of us in there. I was prepared to spend the night on campus that night. Like I came in with a pillow, a blanket. I, I knew I knew I had to finish this edit, all right? And I was nowhere close to finishing it. Like I had coffee for that night and for the next morning. Like I was prepared, all right? Midnight rolls around and me and these girls in this lab with me are going absolutely crazy. Like we're just saying shit randomly. Like someone is playing music and I don't even know what the music was. I don't really remember what it was. Um, and at one point I'm sleeping under one of the tables. A girl is passed out on the desk. We all wake up again at roughly the same time and keep editing. And our class that we had to turn these cuts in at is in the same building like on the same, like it's down the hall from this lab, okay? We all get up collectively, take us and our cuts to class and sit down. And there's a girl sitting in the middle of our floor. She was one of the girls in the lab with us, wrapped in my blanket, just singing <laughs> like rocking back and forth, <laughs> right? And all, like, all these girls are in like, they're either in New York or in grad school. They're all making fantastic films. Like these girls are freaking powerhouses, right? One of them is an award-winning photographer right now. And she is sitting in the corner. She's like, there's not enough coffee in the fucking world. <laughs> I am so done. I'm like, I'm sorry. Love. And we show our videos and I show my, I show my film and it's like my second to last cut of this film. And the first thing out of my teacher's mouth is, why is it in color? 
I almost lost it. <laughs> I'm sitting at the front of the class and I turn around because I wanted it to be. And he's like, I don't think it should be in color. And I just see like the three girls who are working through the lab, all of them just like put their heads down at once. And I was like, I'm saying was like, I don't think I asked your opinion on that matter. Thanks. Wow. And I went and sat down and I was so annoyed. And I sat there and was like, I feel like this is an accurate representation of what I'm gonna have to deal with the years, years from now. Yep. Yeah. We got a producer and they're asked, why did you make this cut this way? And I was like, that's gonna be yeah that's what it's gonna be he was right like looking back I can look back and say it looked better in black and white but there was no way in hell after pulling an all-nighter in a lab with three other girls losing our minds I was gonna tell him that and I was livid. like just <laughs> love it someone's gonna die today it might be me <laughs> but someone's gonna die <laughs> that's so frustrating it was horrible it turned out to be a pretty decent film but that was just a not fun experience and I just have this like vivid memory of like my friend wrapped in my blanket rocking back and forth in the middle of the floor of the classroom because she's completely sleep deprived she's the one of us who did not get a nap that night I'm just like Dana you need to go home oh yeah you need to go home (laughs) yeah before I, I ask one of the last questions, do you do you miss those projects in college and on campus? You know, there's it's high stress for a grade. There's just some bullshit critiques that your classmates throw at you or your professor. But do you ever somehow look back on that and think those are just like great days to have? No. <laughs> I had to think about that one because there, there are points of school that I do miss. I don't miss those projects. I don't miss mm. that kind of like, mainly because I have enough stress for my current contracts. Like I get that mm. critique all the time. Getting it from someone who you barely know, right? Getting it from a client is one thing because you're trying to impress a client. Getting it from someone who is just like, <laughs> don't talk to me. Mm-hmm. That's completely different. Um, I miss the community. Like I, I miss yeah. working with my, like I miss working with my friends. I miss working with my peers a lot. Uh, the one thing about contracting that is very, very true is that it's very solitary. Mm-hmm. Right? So I only have a few friends who I used to work with consistently who are still in town, who I can do stuff with. Um, that I miss, but I don't miss the rest of it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push off that, uh, that question carcass off into the corner that's been shot dead. Uh, we're gonna put a blanket over that act like that never happened uh, <laughs> do you have any any advice you'd like to pass on to somebody who's either in the industry right now trying to kind of get through it and put in their next 10,000 hours or somebody who maybe has an interest in it and is in school right now do you have any advice for them as far as um, you know like like sticking to their passion uh, in the industry like something that can carry them along a little bit further you are always, always, always going to have bad days. Mm. It doesn't matter if you love it to death. It doesn't matter if it is your favorite thing in the world. You're going to have days that suck, right? And they're going to tear you down and they're going to make you wish that you had never done this. If you wake up the next morning 
and you're still ready to go to work. You're in the right industry. Take yourself up, dust yourself off, keep going. Right? There are very few things that I say that you need to fight for, right? But, and like my example of my, one of my first times on set, right? Where I was there till 3.30 in the morning. That was hard, right? I was 18 years old. That was a hard set. We were there far too late. There was no reason we should have been there that late. It was one actor who kept holding us up because he couldn't remember his goddamn lines, right? Like the one line that I read from like over and over and over again. If you love it, you will find a reason to go back to it. And if you can find that reason to go back to it, there is no reason you should not be fighting for it each and every day. But if you come to a point where you say, you know what, this is not worth the pain. It's not worth the stress or the effort. If it stops being worth it to you, move on. Mm. There is no reason I think that you should be hurting yourself over something that does not absolutely move your soul. Right. Life is way too short for you to be stuck on something because it was your degree or because you thought you wanted it. And now you don't, if it does not rock your heart each and every day, it is okay to move on. And if it does fight for it, Mm. I think that's it. <laughs> no, dude, that's that's, that's great. perfect. That is absolutely perfect, especially with this with this field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's a hard in. field. Yeah, like you two can contest to this, right? It's not mm-hmm. easy, right? You have to have, you have to be there. You have to be one step ahead. You have to keep going with it, and if you don't, someone else will. So you have to be willing to put in the extra hours for it. But some people can't. Some people, it's not for them. For them, it's okay. Go find something that you can do that for. Mm-hmm. If that's being a dentist, go be the elf from Rudolph Red Nose Reindeer and be a dentist, <laughs> right? If it's a freaking PR manager, right? If you want to be a social media influencer and that's what you're willing to fight for, go fight for it. But actually fight for it. God, I don't know. I just, I, I love that. If, if it's not worth it to you, move on. Yeah. It's, uh, that's right. I mean, Steph, you know, like in theater right now, you know, it, things are looking better, but you still don't know, right? So it's right. just a matter of, right. Of, yeah, it's, going it's a lot of waiting. But like every time I think about, do I want to do a different job? It, I'd come back to no, you know, I'd rather wait and, and, you know, till I get to do what I love doing again, you know, so the waiting is hard though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, well, um, Mariah, <laughs> is there anything that you would like us to promote for you? Um, you know, uh, your company, things you're working on, any, you know, I don't think we asked you, you don't sell any of the clothes or costumes that you make, do you? No, but I do take commissions. Okay. So if someone contacts me and says that they would like a costume or they would like a costume piece or something, I do take commissions. Okay. Um, Most, I don't advertise commissions. So you would actually have to either know me or find me through like one of my festival circuit stuff. But if you want, Tyler's making a face, like he's considering something. (laughs) Oh, uh, uh, yeah. I'll tell you about it afterwards. It's super. Okay, cool. (laughs) No, Tyler, tell all of us. Tell everyone. No, you don't have to. It's fine. I want a rocketeer costume, okay? I said it. Yeah, you do. I said it. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, I, I do take commissions. Uh, they can reach out to me. I, I can send you guys links, but on okay. that, essentially yeah. for my costuming stuff, it's for now my personal Instagram account that you would want to reach out to me through. Um, I'm currently in the process of making a smaller Instagram, Instagram account for me and my little cousin who does special effects makeup because um, we're looking to do more festival work and stuff. So we each do henna um, and she does special yeah. effects makeup and I do costuming. So we're, I want to make us a joint Instagram of like our work so we can hopefully start marketing that a little bit better. Oh, wow. But if you would like to market Front Porch Studios, um, I do have an Instagram. I don't have a full website, but I do have an Instagram um, and I can send you guys a link for that one. But anyone who needs video work done, I do music videos. I have tons of experience with production management and pre-production. Um, and I have references. That helps. <laughs> uh, or just costuming commissions. So okay. Awesome. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna promote the heck out of all of that. And you're gonna yeah. get calls. <laughs> oh yeah. Thank you. Love it. Very much appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we appreciate you coming on. This has been super awesome yeah uh steph are you ready for your uh your spiel oh right we have to do that part that's right um <laughs> we're still getting back into the swing of things when i went on i took a, a little trip home and we ended up not recording for a couple weeks so um now i gotta get back into the swing of things um yes so my friends who are listeners um Thank you once again for joining us. Uh, we love that you come and listen every week or maybe even if it's not every week, it's whenever you can. Um, I've heard lots, lots of great feedback from people and it's really awesome to hear. Um, please continue to listen. And by doing that, um, you can continue to like and subscribe to us on all podcast platforms. Um, we also have um, social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at PWRP Podcast. Uh, on all three of those. So you can see who's coming up and who or who's on for the day. Um, if you have some dollars, dollar bills and wanna throw them our way, we also have a Patreon um, and uh, we're still continuing to try to work on improving sound quality and things like that. Um, and so we just ask that, uh, yeah, if you, if you really like us and you wanna support us, please check out our Patreon page and yeah awesome and if you would like to be a part of this podcast whether you're somebody who works in the arts industry or has a heavy interest in being a part of it email us at let's take that back email us at pwrp.pod at gmail.com and we'll get back to you within an easy and soft 90 seconds because we're still very underemployed right and sorry i missed a part uh -oh. um you can email us at that email um if you did rate and review us um and you would like a free sticker we have we still have plenty of stickers to give away so um let us know where you rated us uh and reviewed us and we will send you a sticker yes and mariah you also get a sticker for yeah. being a part of this all of our guests get stickers <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, Mariah. Well, since you listen, you know what's coming up. Uh, this is time for our awkward goodbye because we still don't know how to be any more professional than that. Bye. <laughs>